going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob, hanging out talking my favorite hometown, Cleveland sports, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Snow is coming down up in Cleveland. We had, like, spring weather last week, and now we're getting snow. It's it's kind of been a wild winter, so... I don't know what yeah. I don't know what to wear. I don't know whether or not my heat should be on or off. So, I'm just trying to figure things out here, man. It's snowing from Cleveland all the way down to Nashville because we're getting flurries too. So, uh, yeah, definitely a a weird, a strange uh, winter for sure. Um, but Chris, uh, we are in the thick of winter, and with that comes uh, the Super Bowl, obviously, uh, just a, a weekend away. Um, and before we get any further, I guess we'll, uh, public announcement, uh, we will be taking next week off. So you'll have to wait two weeks for our Super Bowl recap. But uh, Chris, the Super Bowl it is less than seven days away uh, and it features a quarterback matchup of probably t- can get uh, on opposite spectrums of the the legacy scale here. You got Tom Brady, who uh, is up there among the greatest of all times, if not the greatest of all time, quarterbacks against Nick Foles, who uh, was the backup for the Eagles for the first three fourths uh, of this season. Uh, so, so Chris, uh, clearly, uh, a quarterback of Tom Brady's stature is not a necessity to get to a Super Bowl. Does Nick Foles? starting for the Eagles in the, in the latter half of the season and then leading them through the postseason to the Super Bowl berth give you hope uh, that the Browns can win with or, or without an elite QB? Well, first, before we start, I'll, I'd like to apologize to our listeners because because I'll take full blame for why we're taking next week off. Unfortunately, I'll be traveling. So, sorry, guys. But to answer your question, yeah, of course it gives us hope. I mean, how, how could it not give you hope? You see a guy like Nick Foles who, yes, a couple years ago looked amazing. I mean, he was like 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. He looked like he was going to be the next you know, top-tier, possibly elite quarterback. And then something happened. He gets bounced around, circles back to Philly, and has played okay until last week. Last week in the NFC Championship game, he looked like that elite Nick Foles. So, so he does give me hope because Nick Foles has proven over the last, you know, four or five years that he's an inconsistent quarterback. I, I wouldn't say he is a top two tier quarterback. And just to recap, I have four tiers of quarterbacks, all time elites, good enough to win the Super Bowl, the teasers, the good enough to get you there to the playoffs, that is, but not really good enough to advance. And then the journeyman. And then, then I put kind of rookies in their own pool. Like, couple years to evaluate so so I have four tiers I, I would the, not the sixth the sixth tier being the Cleveland Brown quarterback yeah the sixth tier being just anyone who goes to Cleveland automatically is going to the graveyard that's where it's like purgatory before you go off to your next adventure in life um, but uh, I would not put Nick Foles in one of those top two tiers I, I would actually say he's on that third tier right now given what he's done in his career but the funny thing about quarterbacks is, do they become elite when they win the Super Bowl? Because I remember 2001, Tom Brady was Nick Foles. And he was facing Kurt Warner, a two-time MVP. 
trying to complete a dynasty. And and Tom Brady and that Patriots team beat him. And it was a huge upset. And and now we, we fast forward 16 years later, and Tom Brady's a lot better than Kurt Warner, but he's playing the Kurt Warner role. He is the guy who's supposed to win this game. And Nick Foles is this kind of backup journeyman. Well, Tom Brady wasn't a journeyman, but a backup quarterback who's thrust in this role and has shown signs that he could be a very good quarterback in this league. So, so to ultimately answer your question, yes, it does give me hope that the Browns can get to the Super Bowl without a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers. You can do it with a guy like Nick Foles. I mean, heck, Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson has Super Bowl rings. Rex Grossman played in a Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if it's fair to say Colin Kaepernick because he's not in the NFL for other reasons, but I do think Kaepernick was sliding out of that second tier after the Super Bowl and was more kind of a a, a trickster, kind of can get you there, but maybe not good enough to win it all, uh, though he did get back to the NFC Championship game the year later. Um, point being... It's rare, but but it does give me hope that the Browns don't need a supremely elite quarterback to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I disagree. I also, I find it interesting that your argument uh, for the Browns not needing a Tom Brady quarterback was Tom Brady. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's uh, true. Two thousand one Tom Brady's not not this Tom Brady. No, you're right. Uh, that was definitely a team predicated on their defense, and a lot of those early two thousands. New England teams were were stacked for sure around Tom Brady, but it came to a point where, yeah, he he was an elite quarterback. But nevertheless, moving moving past that, um, and I, I would I would I would say Kaepernick had about a year and a half span where he was an elite quarterback. He his legacy isn't going to be that he was uh, in in those top tiers uh, of of your ranking. Um, but when he took San Francisco to the Super Bowl, he was playing at an absurdly elite level, and the year later he he was as well. And you could say that it was the defense that eroded and the coaching staff that eroded. But Kaepernick's decline in play also played in part to the Niners' declining. So for me, if I look at the year two thousand to twenty eighteen, Chris, I have identified ten quarterbacks that got their team to the Super Bowl that are not. I, I don't have a tiered system. I, I would just say they're not, they were not elite quarterbacks at the time of their play. Uh, 2001, we got that toilet bowl matchup between Kerry Collins and Trent Dilfer. I don't know how that happened. Uh, uh, and then just moving forward, we got Brad Johnson, Jake DeLome, Hasselback, Grossman, you know, possibly Joe Flacco versus Colin Kaepernick. I don't know. I don't know if I would put either of those in there. Uh, then we had 2016 Peyton Manning, who, uh, his arm was dead at that point, and now we have Nick Foles. So if you add that up, that's about 10 out of 38 possible quarterbacks that have gotten their team to a Super Bowl with less than elite quarterback play. If you look at the other guys that 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 uh, did get their team there that are elite, I'm talking about Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Manning, both Manning brothers, Roethlisberger, uh Cam Newton, we're talking about MVP quarterbacks. Rich Gannon, if you go all the way back there, he was MVP of the, uh, of the league at that point. You need a quarterback to get to the show, and you need a quarterback to, to win the Super Bowl. Uh, it, it really boils down to that. The Browns, you know, I would say they have had modicums of talent in years past, but they just have had a void at quarterback. They haven't even had 
you know, I, I would agree that, okay, you have your four tier system. The Browns quarterbacks at times don't even register on any of those. They've been so bad, but they've had talent. They've had pro bowlers. I mean, just four or five years ago, they were sending six guys to the pro bowl, but they didn't have a quarterback. You have to have a quarterback that is arguably an elite quarterback or playing at an elite level during that season to get to the Super Bowl, you can't without it. Nick Foles and the guys on this list that I've listed below, they are exceptions to the rule. Uh, and it, for, for me, this is a critical time for the Browns because they have all the resources now to get an elite quarterback that can lead them in two or three years' time to a Super Bowl. Uh, now is the time. Don't think that you can just build up uh, the 2002 or excuse me, the 2001 Baltimore Ravens with all those studs on defense and find Trent Dilfer and think that you're going to have a dynasty. Uh, it's That's not going to happen. You need a quarterback to, to, to succeed in this league. Well, well, there's a little bit difference between a dynasty and just winning one Super Bowl. I, I think if you're going to have a dynasty, you definitely need an elite quarterback. Um, but but if, we wish, if the bar is just winning a Super Bowl, I, I certainly think you can do it without an elite quarterback. I mean, you listed off... 10 guys. I, I may disagree with one guy in particular on that list, Matt Hasselbeck. If, you, if you're going on a pass-fail system, I would, I would put Matt Hasselbeck in the, in the other side of that. But I agree with your list overall, and I'm also glad that Rich Gannon was, was not on your list because a lot of people, in hindsight, kind of you know look down on Rich Gannon and, and forget that he won MVP that year. So so kudos to you, Bob, for for remembering that and and keeping Rich Gannon off your list because I, I think Rich Gannon's legacy has been kind of tarnished a little bit by that Super Bowl. He's a he was a better quarterback than he gets credit for in hindsight. Um, but you're absolutely right in the sense that the Browns have not even had tier three quarterback plays. If we're going back to my tiered system. They haven't even had a trickster. They haven't even had a guy who can get you to the playoffs. And and, and so I, I agree, Bob. I mean, you know, you, you definitely need strong quarterback play. But I don't think you have to be one of the best quarterbacks to ever play or, or, or an all-time elite to win. I do think you need to be on one of the top two tiers to win a Super Bowl. Hence why my second tier is called good enough to win the Super Bowl. I think most of the quarterbacks... How many how many quarterbacks this season would fall under your your two tiers? Would you put good enough to win the Super Bowl? Man, you're putting me on the spot here. Okay, well let, let's talk about the obvious ones: Tom Brady, um, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he got hurt. Andrew Luck. Obviously, he got hurt. I would say Cam Newton is good enough to win the Super Bowl. I would say Matt Ryan is good enough to win the Super Bowl. Um, I would. I, I, I put Joe Flacco on the second tier. I, I am I am a Joe Flacco supporter. I know it's been rough since he's won the Super Bowl, but I think he is good enough to win it. I, I don't think he's an all-time elite, but I think he's good enough to win it. I I also think Eli Manning is good enough to win the Super Bowl because you know the Giants are all messed up, and yes, Eli Manning's getting old, but I think if you have Eli Manning as your quarterback, you can win the Super Bowl. I think Philip Rivers is also good enough to win the Super Bowl. Um, based on what he's shown, and, and, and Russell Wilson as well. So I, I've listed maybe nine or ten guys. There are a couple of other guys I, I'm confident will get there, but I want to see a little more out of them. Carson Wentz had a phenomenal year this year. It's only been one season, so I don't want to rush to judgment and put him in, in, in a very you know, 
make a strong statement about that. And and also, I left Ben Roethlisberger off the list. He has two Super Bowl rings. And again, I you, you kind of put me on the spot there. I didn't have that prepared, but I'd say there's maybe ten to twelve guys who you could win a Super Bowl with. But the, that's why there's a split between tier one and tier two. I feel much more confident if I had Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees because you don't need to build up as much around them. But I still think that you can build a team around a guy and win a Super Bowl. Obviously, the further down the tiers you go, the more you need around that quarterback to be successful. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They are they are a lot more than just Nick Foles. Their defensive line is nasty, and, and it has stepped up big in the playoffs. They have a lot of offensive weapons that... They, have, they don't have one go-to guy, but they have a bunch of guys who can beat you in a lot of different ways. I think they play a variety of offensive game sets that, that that's going to make it hard for the Patriots to zone in on one thing. So I think that's a big strength of the Eagles as well. But I think one thing people forget, I mean, it, it seems so simple, but there are 21 other guys on the field, and you've seen it all the time. I mean, Andrew Luck is probably the best pure talent quarterback in the NFL, you can make that argument. I mean, maybe Brady, maybe Rodgers, but I say Andrew Luck is right up there. He has not had any postseason success because he he has not had a team around him. So you definitely need both, and I do think you can win a Super Bowl with a Tier 2, and, and if things really go right, a Tier 3 quarterback. The, the only two Tier 3s that I can think of who got to the Super Bowl were Brad Johnson and uh, Trent Dilfer, who won a Super Bowl. And then, then I'd put Rex Grossman on the third tier as well as playing in the Super Bowl. There's probably a couple other guys. Peyton Manning was doing tier three play. But I, I have a hard time calling Peyton Manning a tier three quarterback because I, I do think his name, even though he was playing down that year, you're still a game planning for Peyton Manning. There is an intimidation factor based on his reputation. Now, I, I wouldn't just cast him aside quickly but I do agree that year his quarterback play was subpar yeah I think most people would agree on that for sure um yeah I don't know I I just I I, I disagree uh, you know I I would take a, a couple of those guys off of your list that that you just rattled off and I know you did that on the spot uh very impressive of you to do so um I, I would scratch some of those guys off just particularly it's uh some of those guys that are up there in age, I'm looking at Eli Manning and whatnot. I think you would get down to around eight quarterbacks. So that's again, that's a quarter of the league. So 75% of the league does not have a quarterback that can take them to the Super Bowl or 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 win the Super Bowl. Um, that's a commodity. That's a, that's a rarity then to to have one of the quarter uh, of guys, handful of guys that can do so it's a necessity to you have to find that you have to address it it's the number one priority for every team to get the quarterback and if the browns get one of those 25% quarterbacks uh on their roster next season you know they they will over overnight become uh, a vastly better team and, and will be close to postseason contention almost overnight if they if they land one of those guys that land in the quarter uh, of of the league that can take you to a Super Bowl, that's why I, I you know, I I just I look at Nick Foles as as a great story, and yes, I, I look at it as if you land on a number of draft picks not at quarterback, and a number of value signings not at quarterback, and they all come together at the right time, 
combined with some timely quarterback play, yes, you can make a run to the Super Bowl. But if you want any long-standing success, if you want to build a team that has continuity year over year, you need to have an elite quarterback to do so. Uh, and the, the, the Browns should not look at Nick Foles as, well, we don't need to prioritize this. They should look at Tom Brady as we need to go out and, and get our Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I agree that if, if you're trying to build sustained Super Bowl success, then you need to have a very strong quarterback. I, I, you're, you're not going to hear me argue against that. I, I, I will look at this year, though, as Blake Bortles, Casey Keenum, and Nick Foles, 75% of the semifinals were not on in those eight. I, I think you and I would both not have any of those guys in the eight or 12 or whatever the list is. So all I'm saying is, is it gives me hope. I mean, if you have a nasty defense and a strong offensive line, that can also mask some of your deficiencies because defense travels and offensive line can dictate a running game. I mean, we saw Jacksonville run bootlegs over and over and over again. I mean, you know, it got boring at times. You could just call out what they were going to do on third down. But the Patriots couldn't stop it because they were so focused in on that beast, Leonard Fournette, and and a monster offensive line that helped that running game. So while while I agree that if you're trying to build what the Patriots are doing, well, A, you need a lot to go right. B, you need an elite quarterback. And C, you need a general manager who can change with the time. So a lot needs to go right. Even even if you're trying to build what the Steelers did from 2005 to 2009, you need a strong quarterback and, and a lot to go right. But if we're talking one year, I do think that the Browns or any team could win the Super Bowl with a non-elite quarterback, with a guy who maybe isn't on that list that we have, if things go right. I mean, how many people wrote the Eagles off for dead when Carson Wentz got injured? I know I did, and I, I think most of America did. Maybe, maybe not the people in Philly, but I think most of America did. It, it is possible. And, and it does give me hope that the Browns can do it without hitting huge on the quarterback position. Yeah, it's not possible. It's not impossible. I mean, 2016, Peyton Manning did that with an elite defense and a run game that you described. Uh, Brad Johnson did that with with a nasty defense as well. And and likewise for Trent Dilfer. So the it has happened and it will can it will happen in the future for sure uh, i just don't think that's the 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 path to success uh or, or the i don't think having that team built gives you the best odds to get to the super bowl or to win the super bowl uh having that elite quarterback does and it gives you repeated chances to do so well i mean yeah i mean when when you take away brad johnson trent dilfer um and Joe Flacco, I mean, the last names of quarterbacks, I mean, you can rattle them off real quickly. It's either Brading, Ro- Brady, Roethlisberger, Manning, and, and okay, Russell Wilson's in there. But but there aren't many names. And, and, and I get your point, you know. I mean, it's – it's, it's, it's it, and, and Aaron Rodgers, of course. How could I feed Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees? Uh, but, but the point is, I mean, you, 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 you don't need many fingers to count the names – of the quarterbacks who've won Super Bowls when, when you throw the the non-elites out there. And and I, 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 I understand that over time, an elite quarterback 
you will have more chances at the Super Bowl. You will have likely have more sustained success. But if we're talking for one season, if we're, if we're talking, can the Browns win a Super Bowl with a guy like Nick Foles? Absolutely. They need they need more to go right. They need to build up a team, but they absolutely need to have that success. I will say though, Bob, that I do think the true answer lies somewhere in the middle. You don't do what the Patriots have done for 17 years on just a quarterback. I don't care how good he is. You need a great team that's evolving around him. You know, you don't do what the Steelers have even. I mean, the Steelers, they haven't won as many Super Bowls, but they've had a lot of success for a very long time. You don't do that with just a quarterback. You you have a revolving team. I mean, they went from Heinz Ward and Plexico Burris to Antonio Brown and now Juju Smith-Schuster. So the point is, you look at the, the the truly great teams, they have both. They, they, they have the elite quarterback, but they also have the mindset of constantly building the team around him. So so I do think the ultimate answer, if you want the true greatness that, that all fan bases are seeking, it, it's in the middle. You need them both. Yeah, for sure. I, I uh, it's probably a good place to end it. I agree with that. You know, so, somewhere in the middle, uh, especially once you have that elite quarterback and you have so much money invested in the quarterback, you need to make uh, smart decisions around him and 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 surround him with talent, uh, elite talent as well. And, and nobody, none of these quarterbacks that we rattled off uh, won the Super Bowl without. Uh, some some big time playmakers uh, also backing them up uh, through throughout these Super Bowls. So I think that's a good good stopping point for that debate. And Chris, I I, I would take either for, for the Browns at this point. Um, but we do have a Super Bowl uh, approaching uh, less than a week away. Philadelphia Eagles taking on the New England Patriots. Uh, Chris, what what are you looking? Uh, what excites you about this matchup? Well, the Super Bowl, bottom line, I mean, that's really all you need to say. I mean, you could put any two teams in the Super Bowl. I'd be amped for it, uh, especially the Patriots. We all know that uh, any any listener of this uh, podcast should know by now that I, I, I do support the New England Patriots. I'm a fan. But uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say it right now. It's not going to be easy for them. I, I don't think they're going to ro- roll Philadelphia. Um, I, I think Philadelphia's defensive line has shown that, that they were an underrated unit all year. And uh, they have the defense that can frustrate the New England Patriots because I believe that they can cause problems up front without overloading the line of scrimmage, without blitzing, essentially. And that's that's how you get to Tom Brady. That's how you get the Patriots off their rhythm. But the bottom line, it's simple. It, I think it's all going to come down to not just Nick Foles, but the Philadelphia offense. Can the offense play at the level it's played the last game really really last week because against the Falcons they were only okay if they can control time of possession keep limit Brady's possessions you saw against Jacksonville if Tom Brady you give Tom Brady enough looks at your defense eventually you won't be able to stop him you saw it last year in the Super Bowl what people forget is the Falcons were up 28 to 3 but the Patriots dominated time of possession 2 to 1 in that span which was unbelievable to me Brady still had a lot of looks at that defense. That defense was gassed, and Brady had deciphered it. And once he cracks the code, there's no stopping him. So the two keys are limit, you know, get to Brady early and then keep his possessions limited so that way he, by the time he deciphers your defense, the lead is so big that, that he can't come back. Because once that 
that light bulb goes on, the code is cracked, and the safe is open. He turns into Tom Brady, and you just can't stop him. The Jaguars' defense looked mortal that fourth quarter because he had cracked the code. The Falcons' defense last year looked, you know, lost because he cracked the code. Once that code is cracked, it's over. So So the key for the Eagles is simply going to be taking advantage while if you have Tom Brady confused. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, all eyes are going to be on Nick Foles. Like, what can he do? Can he continue this run against the, you know, the most dominant team of our age in, in the Patriots? Uh, the defense has proven itself for for the Eagles. Uh, you don't lose your your uh, MVP candidate quarterback and then go to a Super Bowl without having a, a stellar stout defense. And I agree with you; they are equipped to give. Brady as much trouble as the defense can give uh, due to that defensive line that can get to the quarterback fast uh, and, and with little blitzing. So, uh, yeah, the Eagles' defense is legit. It's all going to come down to Nick Foles. Can he make some plays? Can he make timely throws and control the pace of play? So, like you said, uh, Brady doesn't get as many looks um, and just slow the game down overall. Um, I'm not too optimistic about that. Uh, Chris, what, what is your pick for the outcome of this game? I think the uh, Patriots will win, but it will be less by less than a touchdown. And and I do think one other matchup to watch will be the Eagles receiving core because they have two tight ends that can create some mismatches. And they have Alshon Jeffries, Speedster, Torrey Smith, and Nelson Aguilar. They, they've got some guys who it's it's really hard to zone in on one thing uh, that could complement their running attack a little bit better. Jacksonville was a much better running team than Philadelphia. Don't get me wrong. But the Eagles rolled out like three or four different kinds of batch, kind of like the Patriots did when they had LeGarrette Blunt, who's now on the Eagles. Uh, so so I, I think that it's just going to be interesting to, to see what Belichick tries to take away from the Eagles. But But I do think the Patriots will win. I think it'll be a very close game. Yeah, I think the Pats will win too. Uh, I don't. I think it'll be. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be a blowout, but I think come come the fourth quarter, we're gonna have. We're all gonna be really confident that the Patriots are gonna win. I think they're gonna win comfortably. Patriots have never won a Super Bowl in regulation under Tom Brady and Bill Belichick by more than four points. So interesting. I, I'm confident that it's gonna be close. Um, so we'll see what happens. We shall see. I certainly do love uh, watching the Super Bowl, so it'll be fun. Um, moving on to some news in Cleveland news breaking today that the Cleveland Indians in 2019 will get rid of the Chief Wahoo logo uh, on their uniforms. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this news? Well, first off, nobody in Cleveland should be surprised, but if you read the comment section on cleveland.com, which was closing in on 2,000 comments on that article, Bob, that's pretty crazy. Um, obviously, this is a very emotional time for Cleveland fans. And um, look, growing up, I had an emotional attachment to Chief Wahoo. I used to have a Chief, I had a Chief Wahoo hat. You know, it was it was a cool logo to me. I'm just going to say this, regardless of how you feel about Chief Wahoo, whether you were offended by it, whether you, you just were uncomfortable by it, whether you grew up with it and were hardcore passionate about it, I think most reasonable people can agree that this logo had divided the fan base and had divided the city. And to me, I don't want a logo that does that to the fan base 
Because at the end of the day, whatever side you're on, I mean, you know, the people that want to keep it say it's just a logo. Well, I say to them, it's it's just a logo. I mean, what is the big deal about changing it if you're a supporter? Obviously, if I understand why they're changing it. That's not the argument I'm making. What I'm saying here is you don't hear the L.A. Lakers fans arguing about their logo. You don't hear the Boston Celtics or people like that. We shouldn't have a logo that divides our fan base. And, and, and I don't care what side of the argument you're on. I don't want a team or logo representing the city that is so divisive. And, and regardless of how you feel about it, it's clearly a logo that, that um, causes people some angst and, and causes people to be offended. And, and rightfully so. I, I can understand why Native Americans would be offended by this logo. And so why can't we just change it and find a logo that better represents our fan base, that doesn't cause this divide amongst our fan base? And, and at the end of the day, I don't particularly care which side you're on. I think both sides can see that this is a divisive logo and we just need to get a better logo that better represents our city. So that way we don't have to talk about this issue over and over and over again. We can focus on Cleveland baseball, we can focus on our common love for Cleveland baseball instead of a logo that is clearly just just divisive. Let's just move on from it. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Um, I agree that why uh, but your points about it dividing the fan base, uh, let's just let's move on. For, for me, it's an embarrassment outside of the fan base. Uh, you know, I think of people watching us on national television with that logo I think of the people dressed up as Chief Wahoo during games on national television and seeing that for the first time and making some associations with Cleveland that I just don't want to be associated with Um, you know I'm thinking back on the World Series run that the Indians made against the Cubs and you know of all if the Indian, if Cleveland was to play one team that would not get them the sympathy vote, it would be the Chicago Cubs. And the the, I, it was hard for me to make an argument to cheer for the Cleveland Indians because of Chief Wahoo. And people would just say, "Well, that's a racist logo." And it, yes, it is. And it's hard. I can't argue against that. So I understand why, you know, you're a neutral party and you don't want to cheer for my team. And that's embarrassing. And shouldn't be like that. For this announcement, though, it's so 2019, they're not going to wear the logo, but they're still going to sell merchandise. So for me, it's uh, way too late, long overdue for, for the Indians and, and not enough. Like the, the Indian, the Cleveland Indians organization is still going to profit off of selling the Chief Wahoo logo. Uh, they're still going to license merchandising for it just so they can retain the trademark, uh, which I don't, I, 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 I just disagree with. They should not be making money off of this logo. And to be honest, if the the decision is just to not wear the logo, why are we waiting a whole year? They could print new uniforms. They could take that patch off right now. And, and there was a time just five or six years ago where Chief Wahoo was, he, he would come out maybe once or twice, or once every other week. They, they had completely gotten rid of him on the uniform. It wasn't until they made... Uh, the uh, the past few years he, he's come back prominently featuring on the sleeve and, and on the hat and it, I think that was unfortunate timing for that to coincide with them 
getting really good and making that deep postseason run. So uh, for, for me, it's still not enough. Uh, they should, Chief Wahoo should not be seen anywhere near progressive field in, in any way. They shouldn't profit off of it. And we shouldn't have to wait uh, an entire year to just remove the patch from the uniform. Yeah, I hear you there. I mean, if you're going to do it, just rip the Band-Aid off and make a new logo. I, I, that that has been my proponent of it uh, ever since. I mean, it, I feel like this has been a six, seven-year process, and you alluded to it, Bob. They, they had phased it out before. Why bring it back? I mean, I, I started noticing. I'm like, why is it back on the caps? I thought we were marketing the Block C now or, or whatever. And, yeah, it, it's just it's just been such a long and painful process. If you're the Dolans, the best way to go about doing this is say, Hey, here's a new logo. We're not getting rid of Chief Wahoo. We're just changing this new logo. And that's the message over and over and over again. No, this is something new. Give the fans something to fill the void. Because right now, we're kind of in no man's land, Bob. I mean, what is our logo? Is it the Black Sea? Are we kind of unofficially still Chief Wahoo? I mean, what is the symbol that unites this team? Every team has a strong logo where's ours fill the void with something back something that is cool but not offensive or divisive or anything like that and say this is our new logo and give us something to rally around because the way they've done it over the last five six years has just made this such a long agonizing oh my gosh just get it over with process and they're still dragging it out another year, year and a half or so. I mean, it's bad enough as it is because, again, a lot of people grew up around this team, around the logo. I understand there's a strong emotional attachment to it for a lot of fans, but it is a divisive logo. And I think fans would, I think most fans wouldn't have as big a problem with it if they had a strong alternative. No, I get that. And. I think the answer is the block C and that still is their, their logo. Uh, if you watch them on national television, you'll never see chief Wahoo associated, you know, on the, on the, on the screen, uh, by the TV provider, it would always be the block C as their logo when it comes up in graphics and whatnot. So, uh, stick with that. And if you need, if you need to, to redesign it later, go ahead. But, um, again, just dragging it on more, more and more, uh, Chris, we, we we talked about this like two years ago, where they said they were going to slowly phase out the logo. It, it it's really frustrating to to hear that and and for to still see that logo out there. It doesn't take that long to just take off the logo and put the black C on in its place, or or you know, in, in the instance of the sleeve, just leave it blank. Um, it, it seems like a really easy fix, and it's disheartening the the way it has been handled. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I associate it, it's a, a weird feeling to know that that is a, a racist, inappropriate logo, but I associate with it my favorite teams uh, of all time in, in the 90s. Uh, but taking away the logo now does not take away the teams at all. Uh, you can still think fondly of them and think back fondly on them. Um, they, they'll still be in my memories as my favorite teams. Uh, you know, I'm not walking down the street thinking like, man, Jim Tillman looked really good in that Chief Wahoo hat. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about the, the, the games and, and the fantastic runs that they had. I don't associate, uh, you know, 
I won't forget about them just because I'll never see Chief Wahoo again. I'll be glad to, to never see him again. Well, yeah, and that's just the bottom line. It's not like the Browns are leaving. I mean, it, 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 the Indians are still going to be there. They're, they're still going to play baseball in Cleveland. And as long as that's happening, I mean, I honestly don't care what the name of the team is. I mean, change it back to the Cleveland Spiders for all I care. That actually would be kind of cool. But um, the point is, I, I, I don't. It's hard for me to get all up in arms over changing a logo. Period. I mean, like just just forget the ra- the, the 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 race backdrop, the the offensive backdrop. Forget all of that. It's hard for me to get all up in arms over changing a logo. Period. Like I I, I just, it just doesn't move the needle for me. The team is still there, and that's just the bottom line. I mean, yeah, the, you get attached to certain uniform designs and whatnot and maybe you know whatever but at the end of the day it's still Cleveland baseball and and I think that that's why I just can't get all emotional over losing Chief Wahoo a I I don't disagree with the opponents of it b more importantly at the end of the day to me it's just a logo who cares it's it's I don't care if Chief Wahoo is no longer associated with this team. It, it, it's just move on, get something better, and get the fans to rally around something better. That that's my, that's always been my advice for this. It's it's going to be a divisive issue, but if you can fill the void, at least it's a little bit easier. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of Jim Tomey, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, my favorite baseball player. How happy are you for for Tomei to to make the Hall of Fame? Very happy. I mean, you know, he 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 certainly deserves it. Uh, you know, tons and tons of home runs. I don't know the number specifically, but I know he's in the 600 home run club, and uh, certainly deserving. Uh, I, I I was very happy to see another Cleveland Indian in the Hall of Fame, and certainly one of the uh, the faces of those uh, 90s teams that came oh so close to winning the World Series. Yeah, 612 home runs over the course of 21 years in the league. Uh, pretty amazing to think that he started in 1991 and his last game played was in 2012. So there's a time where he played almost for the entire existence of my life. Uh, yeah, again, my, my favorite baseball player of all time. I'm super happy that he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, super stoked about it. Yeah, moving on to the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Chris, having a bounce back week, not the week that I wanted, but uh, two straight wins against Indiana Pacers and Detroit Pistons. Uh, feeling good about the Cavs or, or still have some concerns? I still have some concerns, man, but they held Detroit to under 110, so that defense is getting <laughs> better. Um, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, look, man, I'll take two wins any way I can get them right now, even if it's against Detroit and Indiana. Who Indiana was like 3-0 and against them going into that game, so it's about time they beat them. Um, yeah, I, look, I'd rather have 2-0 and than, than compared to what we had before. So I don't, I don't particularly care how pretty it looks right now as long as they're winning. Uh, still have a lot to iron out with this team, but but at least they're winning. So, so that's definitely a good thing. Yeah, for sure. And uh... – a comfortable win against Detroit and, and, and for uh, three quarters of play against the Pacers, they were, they were pretty much coasting and probably coasted too much to, to let the Pacers back in, but um, good to see them bounce back uh, and to see them uh, get things going, uh, kind of put 
to quiet some of those um, discontent rumors and reports that are coming out because uh, it we're, we're we're getting into this uh, streak of overanalyzing everything that the Cavs are doing and saying, and it is uh, driving me. It always drives me crazy, but uh, this iteration uh, is particularly bonkers. So um, hopefully, win- some winning will will quiet those rumors. Uh, but Chris, the NBA trade deadline is approaching, and one dream target for me uh, is off the board. Demarcus Cousins tearing his Achilles out for the season. Uh, one less trade option for the Cavs. I know you uh, weren't as excited about him as I was, uh, but what what does this mean for the Cavs approaching the trade deadline? Well, this this shakes things up big time. Well, first off, I I think. Last week, we both were kind of coming off of DeMarcus Cousins just because the Pelicans are having a really strong year. So, so it was looking more and more unlikely that he was beyond the market. But, but this is terrible for New Orleans and the trade market if he was on it because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this year. So this, this sends shockwaves throughout the league come the offseason time. But specifically for the Cavs, I, I think there's zero chance they trade for him now because he might not make it back this year. Uh, at all, much less, you know, at any point in the play. I mean, do you really want to be integrating him in the in the conference semifinals? I, I don't think that the Cavs will, or anyone will be trading for him. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him this offseason with this injury hanging over his head because he was going to be a huge free agent, uh, you know, in play. Yeah, I mean, he, he's done for the season. He, he tore the... Uh ruptured the the Achilles um that is a brutal injury that uh can make it difficult to 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 get back on the court and then let alone be uh the same player back on the court so uh obviously shuts down Cousins for for any potential trade target uh this season and is going to send shockwaves uh come the summertime uh Boogie was set to be one of the most coveted free agents and his injury and recovery uh Will, will be huge question marks uh going going forward so yeah sad to see because uh i love the idea of the the pelicans just going counterculture with, with anthony davis and demarcus cousins and you know they it, it was starting to work finally uh they starting to click and it's sad to see him go down uh one man leaves another enters chris uh, avery bradley rumored to be available Detroit Pistons shooting guard should the Cavs make uh, uh, kick the tires on him almost definitely he's a strong two-way player and could help Uh, it's just a matter of what they'd have to give up Uh, that that certainly wouldn't be someone you would give up that unprotected first round pick for obviously Uh, but but yeah they could work something out the Cavs have a couple other assets that might be in play for someone like Bradley and uh yeah, I would definitely kick the tires on him. It's just a matter of, of, of who you'd have to get rid of, honestly, because I think whatever trade the Cavs are going to make is going to unclog some of this rotation. And I think the Cavs are going to ship out some guys who might not have a specific fit or a specific role just to make things easier on everyone else. Um, I never thought I'd say it, but there might be a such thing as too much depth. I just think it's the wrong kind of depth. You got a lot of guys who are experienced and in, in, in used to doing a certain thing kind of in no man's land. So so I, I think whatever trade they make is going to relieve some pressure on Ty Lue and his rotations. And if it nets Avery Bradley, that would be 
uh, fantastic to me because I think he's he's someone who can help a championship team. Yeah, he, he's he was probably the the prototypical shooting guard to to play against LeBron. Uh, doesn't need the ball in his hands as an elite defender and can knock down some threes uh, at a good rate. He's averaging about 15 points this year, did 16 points last year. Um, and the Cavs might just like get all of Boston Celtics trade-offs at this point. <laughs> but uh, a couple of concerns, though. Bradley is an unrestricted free agent as well in 2018, so uh, that's always interesting, uh, the, the trade-off in that, what, what you offer and the valuation of it. Um, but I, I would love him on the team. I think he's uh, everything the Cavs need in a wing defender and, and would immediately be their starting shooting guard. Uh, I would be willing to move just about anybody other than the starting lineup and any asset other than that Brooklyn pick to get Avery Bradley on the team because I think that could that could uh, quite immediately make it make a big impact uh, on the Cavs as they go into the postseason. And it would give Isaiah Thomas someone he's very familiar playing with and probably help him find his way too. Because I, I think look, there, a lot's been made about IT in the media and things like that, and I, I don't know what's going on overall. What, But it's clear he's uh, looking for his way with Cleveland. Uh, you know, With the injury, still kind of finding his role with this team, I think getting Avery Bradley would certainly help him because it would give him someone he's familiar playing with and that could help settle him in as well. Yeah, for sure. All righty, guys. Well, unfortunately, we're taking two weeks off, but by the time we come back, we will have all the answers for the NBA trade deadline because it is just about a week and a half away, Bob. So so we're going to find out if the Cavs have any tricks up their sleeve uh, in, in a very short while here. And, of course, the Super Bowl this weekend. Certainly enjoy that. I know I'm going to have a, a big party and whatnot. It's going to be fun. And uh, lots of food and uh, hopefully some good football. So looking forward to that. But until then, you can catch up on all our old episodes of Cleat Talk presented by FamilyRoadSports.com at FamilyRoadSports.com by just going to the website, listening to our old episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast by clicking the iTunes link on FamilyRoadSports.com or going to iTunes, search Family Road Sports, click Cleat Talk. It's just that simple. You can also follow us on Instagram or Twitter by searching Family Road Sports or clicking the icons in the upper right-hand corner of FamilyRoadSports.com. We thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will be back in two weeks with another episode of Cleat Talk, breaking down the cash trade deadline, and any other crazy stuff that might happen in the world of Cleveland sports. But until then, take it easy, Bob. All right, I'll see you, Chris.